0: Thoughts higher than our thoughts, and that's our text for next week, so I'm excited about it. Somebody bigger than you and I. All right, we are in Matthew 7, but before we get there, let's just jump right in with a few thoughts and even some other scripture, but I want you to be there, be in your place, be ready to roll with that scripture in just a moment. That, that's kind of the foundation of this morning's message, but there's so much more than that. Let's just kick it off with quickly filling in that very first blank. If you'll notice, we're talking about five keys to remodeling your home. So, without further introduction, write this word down. And it kind of has something to do with last week's sermon. It's the word cooperate. Cooperate. The first key to remodeling your home. The first key to fixing things around your home, spiritually speaking, is you have to understand what it means to cooperate. Cooperate with who, alright? Look with me, or oh, remember if you would please, Psalm 127. Remember last week? Psalm 127, verse 1, here's what it said. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. That was such a strong statement. That, that, that phrase in scripture, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You know what's amazing about that passage is? It doesn't leave us any room to negotiate another plan. It's, it's God or nothing. Except the Lord build the house, you're wasting your time. There's no other way to do this but with God. We live in a day of options, don't we? We live in a day of alternatives. Try this, try this. Whatever feels good, do it. And yet we worship a God and we serve a one way God. He's not a God of options, He is a one way God. No options. Let me give you some illustrations. In Deuteronomy chapter number 4, in verse 39, the scripture says, Now therefore this day, or know therefore this day, and consider it, in thine heart, consider it. I mean, think about this. Consider this. That the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Does anybody see any gray area there? Does anybody see anything there that might give us a little room to argue and say, You know what? No, no, there are other gods. No, there is none else there's no one but God there's one God I like Isaiah 45 in verse 6 and I know that's not the the next verse uh, Ken but I want to put that one up next there you go that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me I love this I am the Lord and there is none else the one God no options no other alternatives we're either going to cooperate with God or we're going to fail that's what we need to realize today if we're going to build a stronger family we can't be looking other places to do it oh i love john fourteen six. jesus saith unto him i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me i am the way i am the truth i am the life there's only one way and that way is jesus christ no options I like uh, Acts four twelve as well. There is the, there is there, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one name, and that name is Jesus. So there's one way, there's one name, there's one God. God is all about the number one. That's it. No options, no alternatives. We cooperate with God or we mess our lives up. We need to understand that. That's so huge because I really believe there are people even in, in church who oftentimes hear and, and yet say, you know, no, I've, I've, got some, I've got some things I'm going to try first. You're going to fail without God. You're, you've got to cooperate with God except the Lord build the house. They, they, they labor in vain. We're wasting our time. I love Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. You talk about a one, a God who's a, a God of one way and one name and one purpose. There is one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in all. One, 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 one. Everybody get the hint? Are we good with that? Any, any, any more scripture to prove there is That God is a God of no options, no alternatives. God is about one. He's about one. God is a get on, get off. God is, it's my way or the highway. God is absolutely non-negotiable, unchanging, eternal truth. That's God. Okay? He's not a God with gray area. He's not a God who's okay with you trying something else. And that's the reason why... In, in in the world today, God is not popular. Do you understand that? He's not popular. Today. But here's what's funny. He's not too awfully concerned about that. <laughs> he didn't come to be popular. In fact, he told us if we believed this, we wouldn't be popular. And we're finding today that he's right. <laughs> we're not all that popular for believing that there is only one God. But there is only one God. And those of us that that understand that, that believe that, that cooperate with God... So, unless the Lord build the house, so i 'm in favor of co- cooperation with God. I hope you 're in favor with that because that 's that's, that's the first thing you 've got to understand to remodel your home, to, to build a stronger family. For those who cooperate with God, God is doing some pretty phenomenal things. He really is. Uh, there's such a big difference between someone I talk with uh, in in my office who is going through a tough time, but they're determined to go God's way and to trust God to to heal their marriage. And guess what? God is restoring that marriage. God is restoring that home. God is bringing the hearts of children back to their parents. And God is bringing parents back to the hearts of their children, but only in cases where they're, they're cooperating with God. God is helping families in this church. I believe there are some, and I'm encouraged by that, to see the transforming power of God that brings, that brings joy and brings victory. And if you need that in your family, if there's an area of your family where you're just not seeing that joy, and not seeing that victory, then I, I, I can assure you it's because you're trying something other than God. Let me give you one last verse. 2 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 12. B, last part of the verse. O children of Israel, fight ye not against the Lord God of your fathers. And if you do fight against him, you're not going to prosper. What a great verse. So anyone who goes against God's ways will not prosper. So how do you cooperate with God? Two things. Number one, make sure you have the right foundation. <clears throat> you're going to cooperate with God? Make sure you have the right foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. What is the foundation? Jesus Christ. It says, No other foundation can a man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. You build upon any other foundation, your house is going to crumble. You build upon. Isn't that amazing? See, here's what happens, honestly. This is something that you already know, but we we don't believe it. We don't do it. We don't practice it. We're building our houses on other foundations. That's why we don't pray. We don't have family devotions. That's why we get up. And we, we go to work and we take a shower. We do our hair. and We get all pretty. And the Bible stays there on the kitchen counter until Sunday. Because we, we know that. We could quote that verse. We could answer the question. But is he really the foundation of our home? Are we building our homes on Jesus Christ? And then secondly, make sure God has your full cooperation. Let me ask you a few questions, and, and you answer these questions about your family. Does God see in you a cooperative spirit? Yes or no? Does God see in you a cooperative spirit? Is it easier for God to do what he wants to do because you're in the home, or is it harder for God to do what he wants to do? God really wants to work, but he's having a tough time because you won't cooperate. Are you helping him, or are you hindering him let's put it in building terms is god the subcontractor in your home or is he the general contractor in your home you know maybe you need to let god sub things out to you instead of you sub things out to god see that's that's the key here are you cooperating with him all right let's look at the second word not only cooperate but secondly we got to concentrate we got to focus I mean, listen, the the, the man and the woman and the child who is going to participate in this remodel of our homes, every one of the participants must be fully concentrating on the blueprints. Because blueprints can be complicated. Blueprints can be, you know, you've got to really look at them and, and, and they're necessary for every house. You've got to have blueprints. And everybody I know, know kind of what I'm talking about, I think there's like the separate blueprints, like for every single division of the home, there's electrical blueprints. There's HV. What is it? HVAC. Is that right? Blueprints. There's a there's there's a foundation blueprint. In fact, the, the other day I, I was looking through some old stuff and I found like just stacks of blueprints on this building originally. I mean, like it's it's unbelievable how how many pages uh, 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 of blueprints. I found the blueprints on the dormitory when it was built. And, and you would think, you know, it, it would be not all that complicated. Three-story building. All the rooms are the same. No, no. It's like this thick. Uh, this thick. The blueprints are thick. Concentration is involved in remodeling a home. Look at Matthew chapter 7. And uh, I want you to see here and concentrate on this passage of Scripture because it's our, it's our text, at least for now. All right, Look at these three verses. Jesus said, Therefore, whoso Ever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, I talk to me, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a... Who said rock? Two people, good. Let's try it again. Three. It was founded upon a? Right. You can, you can talk at church. It's okay. It's good. It's good because it means you're concentrating, okay? All right. Let, 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 pay attention. Talk to me. And everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the? Good, all right. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon their house and it fell. And, and, and pay attention. Concert. And great was fall of it so let's review real quickly great passage of scripture but what is it saying well notice here if you would please first of all the house built upon the sand there's two kinds of homes first of all there's the house that's built upon the sand a house that's built upon the sand not much effort not much work not much time put into it it's cheap it's easy you don't really have to concentrate you just throw the house up man it's like you know dude hey the house looks good look we're all set we got a house i got a wife I got kids i'm good i've had babies I'm good, man. I got a house. Look, this is my house. It's built upon the sand. You know, this is the guy that's got a lot of hobbies. He's he's always gone. He's never home. He's just, but he's got a house. He's got a wife. I got kids. It's all good. And then there's the house built upon the rock. This is the guy that he's taking his time. He's got a lot of drilling going on, a a a lot of digging going on. In fact, the guy that's built the house in the sand, his house is already up it's been up for a long time but the guy that's building his house upon the rock you can't see anything yet he's still down there digging trenches he's he's drilling He's, he's filling in holes. He's making it happen. He's building a foundation. And the guy in the sand's like, dude, that guy over there, man, he's crazy, man. He's always home. He's always working. He's always over there. I mean, listen, you hardly ever see the guy. He's just incredible. He always, always seems to be focused on, you know, the foundation. You can't even see it. You can't even see what's going on. I'm over here having a time, man. My house is up. I'm, I'm having a great time. He begins to criticize the, the man building his house upon the rock. And here's the interesting thing. Both these houses end up looking the same until the storm comes. And when the storm comes, it reveals something very interesting. So secondly, I want you to think about two kinds of builders that the Scripture talks about. First kind of builder is the builder who what? He builds his house upon the sand. And what does Scripture call this guy? Foolish. The foolish man. Built his house upon the sand. Study the word foolish in the Greek. Here's what it means blockhead. This is a blockhead. This guy, honestly, is a blockhead. He's a foolish man. He did not discern. He failed to weigh the matter and do what was best. He did what was easy. He did what he could do the fastest way, the popular route. But in the end, he paid the price, and his family paid the price. But then the God that's built his house upon the rock, the foundation is Jesus Christ, and he took his time, and he didn't go the easy route. He went the hard route. He paid the price. He's called a wise man. The wise man knew that easier wasn't better. The wise man knew that faster wasn't better. He knew that no amount of pleasure would compensate for the pain of watching your house collapse upon your head. No amount of joy. And we've seen a lot of examples of that in our lifetime, haven't we? You've lived 10, 20 years. You've seen a lot of homes collapse and fall on the heads of the people in them. Children destroyed, families destroyed. Why? Because the foundation wasn't right. Anyone who goes against God's ways will not prosper. And so we look here at this foundation, and I don't know what heartache you're headed for, but I do know this, that there are two kinds of homes. There are two, or rather, two kinds of, of builders. There are two kinds of homes, sand and rock, wise and foolish. There's one common experience, and that one common experience was what? Anybody want, anybody want to guess? Storms. The one thing about both houses Is they both experienced storms. And I don't know what storm it is that you're going to encounter, but I know every family encounters storms. Every one of us do. Sometimes they're financial storms. Sometimes it's the death of a loved one. Sometimes it's sickness. But I don't don't know of any family that's 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 been exempt from this. Every family has a common experience. And I don't know what heartache is headed towards your home right now. You say, man, preacher, I I feel so encouraged that I came to Gospel Life this morning. You're telling me a storm's coming. Yes, I am. I'm being honest. I mean, wouldn't you rather have an honest preacher than a preacher that just kind of tiptoed around the tulips and told you everything's always wonderful? No, everything's not always wonderful. Storms are coming. And they're headed your way. It's a Category 5. And it's coming to your home. Every home has heartache. Two kinds of homes, sand and rock. Two kinds of builders, wise and foolish. One common experience, storms. Lastly, two kinds of outcomes. The home that was built upon the sand experienced total collapse, devastation, pain, regret, shame. The house built upon the rock experienced endurance and relief and security and joy and victory. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to answer very seriously, and I want you to be very honest. I want you to concentrate, okay? Cooperate. Number two, concentrate. What is building on the sand and what is building on the rock? We've got to find that out. I want you to think about this. This is the last thing we're going to study on this passage of Scripture. What is building on the sand and what exactly is building on the rock? All right? I love you, so I'm going to give you a hint, okay? Look at verse 26. What is building on the sand? Anybody want to guess? And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Building upon the sand is hearing the word of God but not doing what it says. This person is in church this morning. You see, what we like to do is we like to say, oh yeah, I know, I know what building upon the sand is. It's the dude that slept in and didn't go to church. Oh no, it isn't. It's the guy that's here. He's here. He's in church. He hears the word of God. The guy that builds on the sand is religious. He goes to small group. He goes to church. He's here in this building. He hears everything I'm saying. He hears the word of God but he just doesn't do anything about it. So what's building upon the rock? Look, at, if you would, at the scripture again. Look at verse number 26. Uh, rather, let's see, verse 20, uh, 24, excuse me. Therefore Jesus, he, he shall hear these things of mine, and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man. So here is the man who hears the word of God, and what? does what it says, right? So everybody's in church this morning. That's not really the big deal. The big deal is, are you going to do what the Word of God says? Are you going to allow Scripture to change the outcome Let the word of God change your course of action this morning or be humble enough to acknowledge the fact that you're building upon the sand, that you're not building upon the rock, that Jesus Christ is not the foundation of your home, that you are collapsing right now, and you're going to change that. You're not doing what God says, but you're going to change it and do what God says. And when you do that, you're going to find out God's got some awesome things in store for you. God is doing a work. I got this letter this week. I want to read it to you. Just, it's so encouraging, dear preacher. I want to share with you what God is doing in our family, and the the challenge to look back and assess how we've grown since we committed to Him in Gospel Light. If Gospel Light was looking for the ideal family to join the church, we definitely are not that family. While outwardly we may seem to have it all by worldly standards—good careers, beautiful children, and a rescue dog thrown in for good measure—that is just the cover of our book. Our story is quite different. We have marital struggles parenting struggles and financial struggles we struggle with sin for years we tried to be the perfect family and failed we have finally come to terms with that we are broken and we have weaknesses and we're okay in fact we are right where we need to be for him to do a work in us his promise tells us my grace is sufficient for thee my strength is made perfect in your weakness in one way or another we're all broken no matter where we are in our walk with the Lord, gospel light provides us with a place to grow. Small groups and discipleships, uh, discipleship have given us a chance to come together as a church family and to lean on Him for God's perfect strength. The opportunities to serve in the church have allowed us to do His work and shine a light on Him where it belongs. The ministries have given us a platform to stand up and shout out to other broken people and deliver His message. There is hope. He is risen and He is in control. He is more powerful than any problem we have. He is the one and only answer. Wow. Like 2 Corinthians says, we're troubled in every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. He is good. He is faithful, even when we are not. He is waiting. He wants us to come just as we are. Isn't that great? I just got that this week. I'm so encouraged because that means God is working. God is stirring in families. God is awakening the hearts of men and dads and leaders in the homes to say, we've got some issues, we're broken, but, but we're moving in the right direction. We're, we're, re, we're redoing our, we're modeling our homes, we're getting the foundation right. Wow, I love that. I was so encouraged by that. It takes concentration to do that. Number three, cooperate, concentrate quickly. You've got to fumigate. Fumigate, F-U-M-I-G-A-T-E. Strange word, but can I tell you where I learned this word? I learned it from California because when you live in California, it's weird. It's weird out there. Everything's weird. You can't buy a house and you can't sell a house without fumigating the house. It's weird. you got to put a tent over the house. A tent. Like a literal tent. And then you you take everything out of the house, all your clothes, all your furniture, and you blow this... Th- this fumigation process is this, this chemical, if you will, that kills all these termites and little bugs and things that destroy homes. And so before you buy the house, you know it's been fumigated. And to the best of that person's ability, they have done what needed to be done to get everything out of the house that could destroy it. It's called fumigation. So question. And I ask this to me just as I ask it to you. I can't help but to wonder if God is trying to do some things in our families right now. But we're in the way because of what we're allowing to come into our homes and our minds. This is the hard part of the sermon because it's a whole lot easier to leave this one off because the tough part's going to be getting stuff out that shouldn't be there. This is where everybody's going to turn me off. This is hearing the word of God and not doing what it says. You say, well, no, this is just your opinion, preacher. Uh, not exactly. 1 John two fifteen. He actually says it like a lot harder than I do. Love not the world. I didn't say that he did. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You talk about fumigation. <sighs> You talk about a tent over your life. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Pretty clear, pretty convicting. So what is the world exactly? Well, the Bible says the world is really three different things. It's three different, there's three different depictions in Scripture of the world. First of all, the world is the planet, the earth. What does the Bible say? The earth is the Lord and everything in it, right? The fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord. That's the planet. That's the earth. That's the world. Number two, the world is the people that live on the planet. For God so loved the world. The people. He gave his only begotten son for the world, right? The people in the world. So you've got the planet, the people. Then the third world is the world system. That's what we're talking about. Love not the world. That's the world system. That Satan is the ruler of this present what? World. So we're talking about the world system. Anything that alienates us from God, any media, any television, any philosophy or teaching, any behavior, any habit, any influence that scars your life. You see, in our flesh, there is a desire to love the world. In my flesh, there is a desire to love the world. And yet, 1 John two sixteen says... For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but it's of the world, the world system. And so this is, this is a tough part because I, I've got to get a little specific and I really don't want to be specific, but to get specific, I've got to highlight three worldly influences that I see in our homes and families. And, and, and these are things that that, that we've got to fumigate. We, we've got to get these things out. First of all, the things that we see. That's the first influence of the world. The lust of the eyes. The things that we see. Television, movies, videos. Are we filtering out the worldly influence of those things? Or have we become so desensitized? I believe, that's, I believe there's a couple of problems as to why we have such a hard time with this. It's because... We have seen so much, now it's like no big deal. Now we're sitting in our living rooms and on the television comes this incredibly sexual scene. Our children are sitting there, we're sitting there, the cuss word is thrown out, and we're like, ten years ago we're freaking out, but now we've heard it so many times. It's just life now, it's just good. It's it's the world. It is the world. But we're so desensitized to it. Here's the second problem pressure from our kids we struggle with that don't we come on moms dads be honest well i just you know i don't want to run them off i don't want to hurt them i don't want i mean they you know that that particular outfit that skirt that those pants that, that television show, that movie they want to go to i know it's R, but you know i come on you know you start weighing you know what's important what's not important and all of a sudden we're allowing all of this into our homes into our children's lives because of a little pressure from our kids you you mean you mean we think there's something wrong now with saying sorry, son? It's not going to happen here. I love you, but that's not going to go on in our home. Fumigate. I, I sometimes don't understand it. Do you know what's in the world? <laughs> sewage. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. It's sewage. It's f- filth the character of christ cannot be formed in a mind that is filled with worldly sewage and the world is full of sewage and we're trying to have the character of christ can't happen number two what we hear sometimes i sit back and just marvel at what kind of music our families listen to there's so much good music out there and yet we still choose to listen to the worldly music and we're kind of okay with that. We're kind of okay with worldly music now for some reason and, and I'm thinking, man, there is the only music we should listen to is music that glorifies God, you know? I think scripture's pretty clear about that. Our homes and our minds need to be filled with the praise of Almighty God. And I won't stay there long because it's uncomfortable and I know you don't like this part of the sermon. Number three, what we learn what we learn. You know, I think the parents should choose if their kid goes to a public school, a Christian school, or a home school. But either way, you need to be concerned about what they are learning. Do you know, do you take time as parents to evaluate what your kids are learning? Hey, listen to this. Do you take time to evaluate who their friends are? You have a right to do that, parents. That's, that's part of this process of filtering who our kids are hanging out with. What they're learning. Romans thirteen, twelve, thirteen, 13, and 14. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. That word cast off is a very strong word. It's a radical word. It means throw it out, cast it off. Take it and say, no more, throw it out. That's what it means. Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of darkness of light let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting and drunkenness not in chambering or lewdness and wantonness or lust not in strife or envying but put on the lord jesus christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof make not provision for the flesh illustration if my problem is chocolate cake let's just say every time i get around chocolate cake i eat the whole thing I can't, can't help it. I, I, I'm i just addicted to chocolate cake. I love chocolate cake. I can't, I can't. I can't. I got, if I see a chocolate cake, I'm going to eat the chocolate cake. So when you walk into my house, there are six chocolate cakes on the counter. And when you go to my cupboards, there's all kinds of chocolate cake mixes. And when you look in my recipe book, the only recipe I have is for 75 chocolate cakes. Guess what I've got? Guess what I, I, I well, I'm going to tell you, I weigh 300 pounds if that's the case. <laughs> and I've got diabetes, And and I probably have headaches because of addiction to to cocoa. You know why? Because I'm making provision for the flesh. I, I really struggle. This is my besetting sin, chocolate cake. So what's the Scripture say? Make no provision for the flesh. Get rid of the chocolate cake. Cast it off. Get it out of the house. Not six, zero. Nothing in your cupboards, nothing in the recipe book. Get it out. That's what the scripture says. It's called fumigation. Cooperate, concentrate, fumigate. Real quick, mediate. Resolve conflict quickly is what that word means. If you're going to remodel your home, you've got to learn to resolve conflict quickly. Anybody have conflict in your family? Anybody have any conflict? I do. I'm sure you do. There are times when there's a little tension in the home, right? Sure there is. Between mom and dad, husband and wife. A little spat? Anybody have a little spat this week? Anybody? Okay, thank you. I love it when people are just, we're a church family. I mean, surely we all know what it's like to have a little disagreement. My hand goes up. This week, this week, my wife and I had a little disagreement. Sure we did. Had a little spat. A little conflict in the home. A little noise pollution. Can I tell you what's worse than noise pollution? The silent treatment. (laughs) It's worse. (laughs) So how do we resolve that conflict? Real quick, seven things. going to read them off to you. Be aggressive. Romans chapter 12 verse 16 says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Get on the same page. Be aggressive about that. Be aggressive. Get on the same page. Figure it out. Work it out. Get together. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Get on the same page. Whatever it is that you're disagreeing about, it's probably so small it doesn't matter. Somebody give in. Get on the same page. Let's work this thing out quickly. It's not going to be worth a week-long ordeal (laughs) and sleeping on the couch and fighting and arguing. Number two, be humble. Verse 16, look at it again. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own. You know what that word conceit means? It's pretty cool. Opinion. Don't, Don't care about your opinion. Well, I think, well, who cares what you think? It's not a big deal. Let's not argue always about our opinion. Be humble. Humble yourself for conflict resolution. Most of the time, can I confess to you, most of the time when I'm having a little spat with my wife, it's because I want my way. And you know what? Sometimes my way is just stupid. Why am I pushing this? Why do I want my way? What, what difference does it make? It's not a big deal. Be humble. Number three, be positive. I'm good at this one. Oh, i got to admit, I'm good at this one. <laughs> Be positive. Verse 17. I love this one. Recompense to no man evil, for evil provide things honest in the sight of all men. Just provide things honest in the sight of all men. Be positive positive. Don't look to do anybody any harm. Focus on the straight, strong traits of family members. Look for the positive in your church. Look for the positive in your church family. Look for the positive in your family. Don't look to recompense evil for evil. Don't look to be critical, to be negative, to get back. Just be positive. It's God's good. It's no big deal. Hey, listen, You know, as opposed, as opposed to pointing out what I don't like about you, I'm going to point out what I do like about you because there's a whole lot more I like about you than I don't like about you. Number next, be peaceable. Verse 18 of Romans 12, if it possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Being a peacemaker is a great thing. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Next, be forgiving. Verse 19, deal the beloved avenge, not yourselves, but rather give place in the wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Be a forgiving person. Just Forgive. Move on. Next, be aggravating. I like this one. Verse 20 of the same passage. Be aggravating. What do you mean, be aggravating? Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. That's aggravating, isn't it? You know what my mom called this? Well, mom, they're always being mean to me. What'd she say? Anybody know? Kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Aggravate them with kindness. Hey, they're being mean to me. Well, be nice to them and heap coals of fire. It's really hard to hate somebody that prays for you. It's really hard to hit somebody that just says, you know what, listen, I'm not going to fight pack You know, really, you're a pretty good guy and everything's cool. And I'm not talking about ridiculousness. I'm not talking about they, you know, punch your wife and you say, you know, punch her again, okay? Don't be silly because you know what? That never happens. We always like to make excuses about things that never happen while things that happen all the time, (laughs) like silly things, like things that really don't matter, like ridiculous things that really are silly in our families. I mean, the Capaci family has been together for a long time. I mean, my wife and I have been married for 26 years, and we've had our little spats, and we've had our our little tips, but I guarantee you one thing, all I've got to do is just be nice, and the problem goes away be strong. Verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You do these seven things, and I promise you, conflict is over. Last thing, evaluate. Guys, would you please hand out that sheet in closing? This is kind of the way I'm going to do the invitation, is the guys give you this. I want you to double check and recheck every everything in your life right now. Every good builder, and I'm not a builder, but every good builder knows that You've got to double-check and recheck everything. Galatians chapter 6. Don't read it yet because we're going to read it together. Look at Galatians 6, 3 through 5 on the screen. Would you do that with me? For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let every man prove his own work, evaluate his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. So let's evaluate your situation. Someone has said that the, un- the the examined life or the unexamined life is not worth living. So here's ten yes or no questions to evaluate yourself. Number one: When there is conflict in my family, I invite restoration. Yes or no? When I am wrong, I will quickly apologize and ask forgiveness. Do you know what apologize means? What does it mean? I'm sorry you know what forgiveness means i'm sorry i hurt you yes or no number three i have established a standard for what i will and will not watch on tv and i'm sticking to it we have a standard we know when it goes too far this is our standard by the way church if you don't have one if you say oh no well tv's no big deal i mean it's the movies i'm worried about have you not watched tv lately are you that desensitized Listen, television is garbage these days. You better be careful about just wide-open TV in your home. Establish a standard and stick to it. Number four, I'm actively influencing those around me to fumigate worldly influence from all of our lives. All of us are working on it. You know who's probably the best in our home at this, honestly, right now, is Chloe. Chloe is under so much conviction about things. She's so sensitive to the Spirit. She's really holding us all accountable. The other day we were watching TV and Chloe walked out of the room. A 13-year-old girl. So I went back to the bedroom and I said, you okay? She goes, I just, I don't, I don't think I want to watch that. I said, you're right. Went back in the guys turned the channel. We're not watching. That. It wasn't even that bad. But my little 13-year-old girl said, we're fumigating this. I'm out of here. Wow, it's exactly right. Number five, I've been deeply convicted by God's word at least once in the last two months and have allowed God to change me. If your answer to that question is no, you're foolish. You're hearing the word of God and not doing what it says. Number six, I spend regular time in God's word and I'm committed to its authority over my life. Yes or no? Number seven, I'm fully aware of my helplessness without God and daily admit my dependence on him. Yes or no? Number eight, I see God working in my family, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Yes or no? Number nine, I recognize the importance of self-evaluation and I'm not in the least bothered to take this quiz. (laughs) Yes or no? Number 10, I'll take these five steps regarding family remodeling. I'll cooperate, concentrate, fumigate, mediate, and evaluate and prayerfully evaluate my strengths in each one. That's my challenge to you today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, you can t-